Hello there friends, this is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about Mars's ingress into Cancer. We'll be exploring the first decan of Cancer today between 0 and 10 degrees of Cancer, and we're going to take a look at some of the significations of Mars and of Cancer itself, of its condition. We're going to look at a fixed star that it's making contact with. We'll talk a little bit about the full moon, and uh, we will of course do an I Ching reading to tie it all together. So this is a period of time that we're looking at between April the 23rd and May the 9th. So what I want to do is start out by just reading to you from a new book that I got. It's book sharing time. So this is The Greek Myths by Robert Graves, the complete and definitive edition. I've been waiting for this book for quite a long time. I'm excited about it because it compares different um, myth sources and gives us kind of a ho hopefully somewhat of a complete uh, a complete picture of the Greek myths. So I wanted to read to you this section on Ares. It says, Ares, nature and deeds. This is on page 73. It says, Thracian Ares loves battle for its own sake, and his sister Eris is always stirring up occasions for war by the spread of rumor and the incute inculcation of jealousy inculcation that's a new word for me like her he never favors one city or party more than another but fights on this side or that as inclination prompts him delighting in the slaughter of men and the sacking of towns all his fellow immortals hate him from zeus and hera downwards except eris and aphrodite who nurses a perverse passion for him and greedy Hades, who welcomes the bold young fighting men slain in cruel wars. Okay, so this is a little section that we've got that comes, I believe the main source text that Mr. Graves is drawing upon for this is Apollodorus. Um, so some interesting things with, uh, with RAs here, and I'm going to read you a little other little excerpt from another book that I have called The Classical Seven Planets by Mr. Charles Obert. Okay, this will be story time today. It says, The triad of celestial gods immediately above the sun consists of Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, of which the first is the source of division and motion, perpetually separates, nourishes, and excites the contrarieties of the universe that the world may exist perfect and entire from all its parts. He requires, however, the assistance of Venus, that he may insert order and harmony into things contrary and discordant. So this is a quote from Proclus on the Theology of Plato, translated by Thomas Taylor, that is uh, compiled in Mr. Obert's book here. So we're talking about Mars as being the faculty of anger. Um, it is also something that has to do with heat, dryness, and when we have something that's too hot and too dry, it starts to split apart. So we have this kind of uh, planet of misfortune. It was the planet of malus tuke, right? Bad fortune. So perhaps events that befall us that might not be any fault of our own, things that we may get riled up about. Again, we've been talking about how do we interact with the the domicile lord and the planet in the temple itself so what we're seeing with this arrangement 
is Mars, it's going to be in its fall. So it is a place where Mars is not very happy. It is said to be depressed in this area of the zodiac. Um, this can mean a couple things. The host is, is the moon. Okay, so we are seeing the moon offering up clay to Mars, the potter, to work with. So the moon, we have to kind of think about the moon when we're talking about cancer and Mars. Is the moon has to do with the generation of life, bringing things into form. Um, some domestic things we associate with the moon in, in modern astrology. Uh, it could be things about memory, reflection. So what is, what is that going to be offering up to Mars when we are taking a look at this? And I'll share my screen here so that we can kind of get an idea of what we're looking at. Okay. So we're seeing here Mars and the moon. Okay. And Mars is going to be speeding things up. It's going to be creating you know, rash actions. It's going to sever and separate. This is the some of the keywords that Robert Schmidt talks about. Okay, we can have arguments that where the moon is going to offer up things like uh, I don't know, like family issues. Um, the moon was a natural significator for the mother in traditional astrology as well. So there could be issues and conflicts around the mother or around nurturing in general. Um, I b believe it was pointed out to me by a friend that this, the last time we had Mars in um, cancer, there was a really horrific story in the news about a woman who attacked a pregnant lady and basically stole her baby uh, cut cut her baby out of her. And it's pretty, hor like I said, it's very horrifying and stole the baby. It was a really gruesome, gruesome story. But um, I do think it, it illustrates um, Mars being in cancer as far as violence against a, a pregnant woman or against, a, a, you know, a mother in general. This could also be where we're feeling cut off and separated from what once brought us nurturing. In Austin Kopic's book, 36 Faces, he calls this Deccan mother and child. And he makes it a point to, uh, to examine the fact that when we are talking about the exchange between a mother and a child, it is both the, the nurturing and like the kind of energy that we would uh, kind of experience with a waxing moon where we are gaining in strength. And then we have a, a waning moon which is, is, well, let me, let me back up first. I'm going to have to think about that. I think we can think about, we can think about it in two different ways. One of how we are going to consume to be able to provide for the child. And the other kind of way are, is how we are going to be able to give. So again, the, the moon gains in light and then diminishes in light. So it is, sometimes it is waxing where it is consuming uh, food and nutrients to be able to provide for the child, and then it is disseminating it when it is releasing its light. Now, Austin Kopic talks about this in a way where we can either become uh, figures that are providing for one another, or the flip side of this, and this is, I think, of particular importance with Mars in general, is those roles can become reversed, and that which uh, we ex where we expected to be nurtured it becomes a drain on our energy rather than something that is supporting us. So I think that was a really, 
light bulb moment for me with this with this transit and with this particular position for Mars is we may feel like through circumstance we are cut off from what what was once uh, feeding us life or we are you know have become food for the mother you know we've become food for whatever is you know uh, was a source of nurturing at that point so those role reversals are really interesting with this um, I think domestic swab squabbles are probably uh, in the cards with this position of Mars. Mars also, you know, has some significations with taking action. And when Mars is in Cancer, it's in its fall. It's in a sign that is not known for being direct. Mars likes, to, like an arrow, likes to go directly towards its target. And Cancer, being of the sign of the crab, will move in many different directions, sideways, backwards, one step forward, two steps backwards. So many of our, uh, the ways that we take action and our energy may fluctuate quite a bit with Mars in this particular sign. So this is kind of the energy of like, you know, I don't feel like doing it today, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, I've been kind of going through this lately with I've been I've been experiencing many aspects of this of this um, transit already. Um, I'm already I've got a already got the kind of uh, the separation from, you know, the mother figure and domestic challenges. My mom's been uh, convalescing in the in the ICU for the last couple of days. She had a, a stroke a few years ago and um, was having some complications again related to that and uh feeling cut off from that that um mother figure I, it's just a very literal type of um manifestation of it in my own life um but it could it could turn up as many different things in your life i've also felt the 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 uh you know the the fluctuations of emotions that go along with with worry and with concern with with people that are close to you and and um, sometimes it's difficult to to be productive when you're having those types of feelings. But um, we're here. Here we are grinding it out. So, um, yeah. So a couple of the things about Mars. Mars is going to be in the evening star phase, which means that it is rising after the sun. This is a little bit of a, a mitigating circumstance for Mars where it is reducing some of its heat so that it will function a little bit better as the evening star rather than being warmed up by the heat of the sun if it was uh, rising before the sun as the morning star. Um, it does have some additional dignity in this area of the zodiac. It, it will be the triplicity ruler of the water signs at night. So this means that, that we may have some communal support for the actions that we do take, even though Mars is not at its best. It will be also on its own terms or in its own bound from zero to seven degrees of cancer. So it will also be kind of setting its own curriculum. So there may be some self-directed actions that we are able to take without having to, to take action in a slightly different way than Mars would prefer. Uh, this is the face of Venus, uh, a combination of Venus and the moon, uh, Venus in the descending Chaldean order and the moon in the triplicity system. So we see the two of cups uh, associated with this Deccan. And the two of cups shows two figures. 
that are facing one another. And I'll find the card for you and see if I can show you if you're watching on video. Two figures facing one another, kind of in an exchange. Um, there is some significations with union, cooperation, with coming together, with uh, Austin Kopic calls this, well, actually, excuse me, Book T and Book of Toth call this Deccan love or the Lord of love. So this is uh, about the meaningful exchange of emotion and and you know becoming unified like the moon and venus so here we see i'm gonna stop my share this card right here and um but we have to consider we have to consider that this is definitely mars so mars is disrupting this scene that we see in the rider weight tarot of these two figures coming together so we may have some difficulty in, in love too and in and, and coming together in union with uh, our kin, with people that we care about. There could be conflicts and arguments that arise because of how we feel we should or should not be nurtured or how we provide nurturing for other people. So this is the fodder that the moon is offering up to Mars to act upon. And Mars can only act in its own nature, which is one of battle war, uh, you know, separating us from things, um, heating things up, taking rash actions. So we've just kind of have to figure out how to deal with this in the best way possible. Some of it is through having courage. I think that sometimes there are certain things in our life that we need to um, separate from. And maybe there is something that has to do with our body, the moon, that we need to cut out of our life. Perhaps there is something that we have that has become corrupt that needs to be examined uh, underneath the surface to be able to, to deal with whatever challenge we're experiencing. Um, so there may be a health issue that comes up where you need to change a habit. And we'll, we'll see this reflected in the I Ching reading that I uh, did this week as well. So Something else that you could look for is, is maybe a health challenge where you're removing uh, something that is no longer serving you or has fallen into disrepair. Okay, the, um, the deity associated with this Deccan is Nike, which is interesting. And I'm going to read to you, this is story time, I'm going to read to you an excerpt from theoi.com, which is, uh, this is a quote from uh, Nonus, the Dio, Dionysiaca, Dio, Dionysiaca. Uh, some, it's a Greek epic poem from the 5th century AD. And this is talking about Nike, the goddess of victory, excuse me, which um, also has some significations as a, a, a charioteer somebody who drives the chariot. And we can think of our body as the chariots that we are driving. So that, that is a, an interesting signification. But this was another little nugget that I found for all of you. Um, when, it, when it is talking about Zeus in a battle with Typhon, who is a, a primordial monster, and Nike was encouraging Typhon, I'm sorry, encouraging Zeus on his, in his battle and kind of like almost like a cheerleader in, in helping to, to um, overcome this foe. So this may be something to 
to think about with this first decan of cancer. And I quote, when the monster Typhon besieged Olympus, all the gods fled except for Zeus and Nike. Zeus was alone when Nike slash victory came to comfort him, scoring the high pass of the air with her shoe. She had the form of Leto, and while she armed her father, she made him a speech full of reproaches with guileful lips. Lord Zeus, stand up as champion of your own children. Let me never see Athena mingled with Typhon, she who knows not the way of a man with a maid. Make not a mother of the unmothered. Okay, there's, there's an interesting quote right there. Fight, brandish your lightning, with, uh, <laughs> brandish your lightning, the fiery spear of Olympus. Gather once more your clouds, Lord of the rain, for the foundations of the steadfast universe are already shaking under Typhon's hands. The four blended elements are melted. Demeter has renounced her harvests. Hebe has left her cup, Ares has thrown down his spear, and Hermes has dropped his staff. Apollo has cast away his harp and taken a swan's form and flown off the wing, leaving his winged arrows behind. Aphrodite, the goddess who brings wedlock to pass, has gone a-wandering and the universe is without seed. The bonds indissoluble of harmony are dissolved leaving behind his generative arrows, the adorner of brides, he the all-mastering, the unmastered, and your fiery Hephaestus has left his favorite Lemnus, and dragging unruly knees, look how slowly he keeps the unsteady course. See a great miracle. I pity your Hera, though she hates me sure enough. What is your begetter, Kronos, to come back into the assembly of the stars? May that never be, I pray. Even if I am called a Titanus, I wish to see no Titan lord of Olympus, but you and your children. Take your lordly thunderbolt and champion chaste Artemis. Okay. So <laughs> Nike is inspiring Zeus to victory, right? He, she is, uh, you know, giving him the, the pep talk that he needs to overcome this very difficult foe that he has battled for many years. He eventually does win and sends Typhon underneath the earth uh, where he then like shakes his rage with earthquakes and volcano eruptions and things of that nature. But this was how Zeus restored order. So there may be this quality of feeling inspired towards battle and feeling like we are, you know, trying to encourage something or someone to to overcome a great foe with with nike as the the spirit of this i was thinking a little bit about uh, sylvester stallone who is a cancer and played a very inspirational figure in rocky balboa the the boxer and uh he just never quit you know he he went the distance with the champ apollo creed right he didn't win in the first movie, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it. It's 40 or 50 years old now. Um, but but um, he went the distance and he didn't go down and he earned respect for that. And I think that is some of the Cancerian archetype as well as this, you know, they may not be the, I don't know, the, the first in line uh, to do battle. They may not be 
the the most tactically uh, skilled, but just keeps on coming. That tenacity, right? That tenacity of Rocky, just getting up. You get knocked down, you get back up again. Get knocked down, you keep on coming. That's that's really, I think, part of the way to deal with this transit is just to keep picking yourself up off the mat if you're getting knocked around and beaten down by life. Um, you will have to find the emotional courage to face some of these challenges head on. Um, we may decide to fight our battles indirectly with this, this transit. There is some possibility that we could be experiencing things like passive aggression, pouting or emotional outbursts, um, things like domestic violence. And, and like I said, bodily harm could manifest with this. Um, difficult memories was something that I wrote down. And this was something that just came to me thinking about the moon and the reflective quality of the moon and how I have been feeling over the last few days as this transit has begun is it was like, um, all of my wistfulness returned and, and there was pain involved with that. And it may be because I'm reflecting on some of my family experiences while dealing with a family crisis. But I'm wondering, and leave me a comment if you have been flooded with maybe memories and maybe painful memories and and remembering those things um, has brought maybe a little bit of a emotional challenge. I think that we can also feel this way when we're remembering good things that we don't have anymore too. When we lose things, that can bring sadness. And especially if we have these good memories, we when we we see the dichotomy in having versus not having in the lack. So I think that this Mars transit is about feeling the lack of some of that, some of maybe some of those good times, uh, the lack of um, some of that support that we were used to in the past, and maybe really having to stand on our own two feet and, and give ourselves that type of nurturing that we have come to expect from others that is being denied to us now. I think that's really the key. This is a really important time to practice self-care and to really practice all of the things that you that keep you emotionally healthy, like writing in your journal, exercising, getting enough sleep, having a good cry. I think that, that releasing your emotions is a great way to process them and not to repress them so that they blow up in anger. I think that one of the things that I've been experiencing over the last week or so with dealing with um, stuff with my mom is it's very easy to get angry when what we're really feeling is sadness and um, helplessness. And I think that um, it's really, really easy to point fingers and to lash out at what is perceived to be the monster Typhon or anything that we think may have wronged us. Um, and it, sometimes there's just stuff in life that happens that isn't necessarily our fault. And Mars brings us an awareness of those things, that, that those challenging things where we are um, returning something to the earth and that's painful because as, as conscious, sentient beings, we, we embrace life, or at least, you know, sometimes we do. 
And we, we want to grow, we want to propagate, we want to continue to exist. And there will, it's difficult sometimes to accept that there is times when the world needs to contract and to remove, to maintain its balance and its homeostasis. And if we learn to see that as a natural process, rather than as beings, you know, feeling the wrath of the, the gods, um, I think that we can live in a more centered way of life. Doesn't mean we won't experience pain and sorrow, um, but sometimes that pain and that sorrow helps us appreciate what we do have and the gratitude that we have. And I think this will be key for the, the full moon that we're going to be experiencing on the 26th. So that's what I've got for uh, for Nike and for, you know, kind of the Mars in general. One other thing I wanted to point out, and I'll let's look at the chart again, is that Mars is in its fall in a place where we have the moon as a, a domicile lord, the, the butler, and we have Jupiter as the exaltation lord. Both of those planets have to do with bringing life and abundance into the world. In the northern hemisphere, Cancer was like the the beginning of summer, the fertile fertile season, right? The return of the floodwaters to the Nile happened during the Cancerian season and the, the appearance of the, the star Sirius in Egyptian culture. So there was this great abundance. And Mars is one of those two planets, along with Saturn, the malefic planets that are having more to do with death. Mars exalts in Capricorn, Saturn sign, which has to do with exile, death, contraction. Um, and we are seeing it, its two signs, Aries and Scorpio, having to do with separation, A, to become an individuated point of consciousness in Aries, and then in Scorpio to remove that consciousness and return the body to the earth. So, Mars is not going to be super, super happy in a sign that is, or a temple where, you know, the resources are life, propagation. You know, it's like, what am I going to do with this? You've given me, given me the qualities of, of growth and supporting. And what, what am I going to, how am I going to wield this? You know, remember, he's the potter right now. And the clay that he's being given is nurturing. So I think that if you think about it in that way, Mars could be wielding, nurturing like a weapon on some level too. This could be where we're trying to, we could see people that are manipulating um, the way that they give care to people where, you know, there could be situations where care is being withheld as a means for, for control. I think that's something we, we can see with this position of Mars in general. It's, it's a, uh, it's not the most fun, not the most fun Mars position. And I, uh, sometimes as an astrologer, you know, we, we try to be as, as objective as we can. Although I would say that that is somewhat of a myth. When, when we are interpreting the stars, our, our own consciousness can't help but be a part of all this. There is this third thing that, that, it, that is created by the interaction between the stars finding the meaning and the consciousness of the astrologer it's himself or herself. 
And I think that um, certain transits will affect different astrologers in different ways. And I, I happen to be a Cancer Sun, and um, I feel these I feel these these Cancer malefic transits pretty intensely. So uh, <laughs> thanks for bearing with me today. I didn't know if I was going to get this out the door, but here we are. So let's 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 get through it together. And I really have wanted to say that I appreciate everyone that's been reaching out to me lately. Uh, I mentioned this very briefly in my last video, and I've got some really nice well wishes and supports and prayers and all of those things. And I, I really do appreciate all of you. Um, it's nice to have a community that can where we can pick each other up when we're going through challenging things. And I think it would be a disservice if uh, we tried to pretend that we were always you know, 100% having it all together 100% of the time. It's just not the way life works. And um, I think that showing each other our vulnerabilities and then um, feeling that support is, is important. And I think that's a balanced way of experiencing the world where we don't have to put on this mask all the time. Um, so that's another thing that we could see with this is, is maybe you do have a little bit of support for the challenging circumstances in your life. This, this reminds me of that triplicity ruler, right? With Mars ruling the water signs by night is, yes, you may be going through a really challenging time, but you've got really great people around you, you know, that, that care about you and that want to see you heal and, and to succeed. Now let's talk about this uh, arrangement in the sky because really we have Mars is making contact with all the Taurus planets right now. And uh, they are all in sextile to Mars. So this is a harmonious relationship with all the Taurus planets. Um, we are seeing a whole sign trine from Mars to Pluto. Um, to Pluto, sorry. To, to Jupiter. Oh, man. Sorry, folks. It's it's late in the day, and my brain is not not at its best. Mars is in a whole sign trying to Neptune, and in a whole sign opposition to Pluto. So there may be a feeling of wanting to escape, uh, a feeling of maybe wanting to transcend your reality altogether. This is another little key that came up in um, the I Ching reading. And with the opposition to Pluto, there may be some power struggles. Uh, this is par for the course with Mars-Pluto contacts, just some, some violence erupting from the underworld. You know, the exposure of corruption and, you know, this kind of... It's a, it's a difficult transit. I, I, will, I will not beat around the bush with that. We aren't going to see it perfect until the third decade of Cancer. But we're going to feel it with the whole sign opposition throughout the entire journey of Mars through Cancer. All right. So, one thing to keep in mind is I wonder, and this is just a thought that I was having, is because the moon is the uh, domicile lord and it moves really quickly, I wonder if there's just going to be a new conflict in, in different areas of our life every three days when the moon changes signs. Um, I think that we will feel something a little bit different when the moon is waxing, that the conflict may be waxing to this full moon. And then we may see a, a resolution of it as the moon begins to wane during this, the resolution of a conflict solution 
So we're, we're seeing conflict increase and then potentially the decrease of it with the waning moon. At least I hope that's how it plays out because it would be nice to be able to move past a peak conflict experience eventually. And again, we experience the world in cycles, so it, it, this too shall pass. Um, I wanted to look at the full moon that is going to be happening on the 26th, which is Monday. And it's happening at about seven degrees of Scorpio. And it is opposite the sun in the first decan of Taurus. And this is important for Mars because Mars is the host of the moon in this full moon. So there is a, a very interesting relationship that they have called mutual reception, which means that they're exchanging houses right now. The moon is in Mars's domicile and Mars is in the moon's domicile. So both of them are in their fall, okay, in their depression. There's, so there's something that is not right in our worlds, but there may be a way to work with some of these energies to bring about a resolution and to maybe ferret out what has fallen into disrepair. Um, whatever it is comes to a head and needs to be released. This, this position of the moon is not necessarily for bringing growth like Taurus wants to do. It is for, I think, eliminating decay. So the, these two cards, and I'll talk about this hopefully a little bit more tomorrow. I'm going to try to do I'm going to try to do a live stream tomorrow, um, tentatively at 1.30, so, so keep your eyes out for that. Um, I'm going to play it by ear, but again, I, I, I will try to come on and talk full moon with all of you. But the Five of Cups is the card associated with the um, full moon at, at, at seven degrees of Scorpio, and in it we see a figure that is mourning the loss of three cups while two cups are still standing behind him. So there may be a conflict where we've experienced a loss, where we feel a little bit helpless and we aren't able to provide the care that we want to be able to provide. I'm experiencing this a little bit with um, my mom lives out of state and with COVID and things like that, it's, it's still pretty dangerous to travel state to state and you don't want to transmit a disease to vulnerable people. So um, being able to be present for convalescing folks in the ICU is, um, COVID's making that really hard right now. So again, that's another real world example of being, I guess, Mars and cancer being cut off from that nurturing principle. Um, but the flip side is that I think that in that card, there are two cups that are still standing, and we have to figure out even if we have lost something or if we're not able to to get in contact with that which we are you know wanting to support, there's still some things we can do. There's still maybe some support that we have around us. I know today I had a really nice um, really nice Tor Venus and Taurus meal. Uh, yeah, it was really, really quite a decadent meal that my partner made. She's a wonderful chef. And that was a nice little kind of like diversion from all the stuff that we were thinking about and the stress that we've been under is just having this nice 
meal. And, and it's little things like that that can help you to get through challenging times and recognizing that you do have uh, different areas of support. I did have a nice conversation with another family member today too. And, uh, you know, even if, like I said, if one area of your life is not working out, I think that you can find support in potentially looking for ways to have gratitude for, for what still remains. So I think that's going to be a real key when it comes to dealing with this full moon is even if you experience a loss or a hardship, try to find the, the space for gratitude. It's okay to feel your feelings and it's okay to mourn. It's okay to feel sadness. And that's important. That's a, an important part of the process with this, this full moon. But then if you can find the silver lining uh, in due time, in due time, then it, it would be appropriate to do so. All right, if I move forward here to the 5th of May, this is really the only other kind of contact we have with a fixed star or an aspect, really. There's no aspects that Mars is making in this first decade, no exact aspects. We're going to see some action in the second and the third decade when Mars moves into, you know, between 20 or 10 and 20 degrees and then 20 and 30 degrees of Cancer. But relatively still a buildup phase right now. So this fixed star at seven degrees of Cancer is called Mirzum. And Mirzum is in the constellation Canis Major, uh, which is the, the dog. And they called this fixed star the announcer. It was the right forepaw of the dog, the, the big dog, right? There's a big dog and a little dog, Canis Major and Canis Minor. And it was called the announcer because it, it, this fixed star rises before a very bright and prominent fixed star, which is called Sirius. And Sirius was kind of the fixed star that, that you know, they looked to for the return of fertility to the, to the Nile River Valley. And so this can be a fixed star where when we have contacts, planetary contacts, you know, Bernadette Brady really talks about speaking out an important announcement. Uh, with Mars, it could be shocking or alarming news that, that may incite some anger. So on the 5th, uh, take a look at if there's something that comes out and try to you know, try to process your feelings and your thoughts first before you maybe lash out. Um, I always try to center myself before I take an action, if especially if it's something stressful. And um, I think that's equally, you know, or very important when we're seeing uh, Mars on this fixed star too. Try not to to um, lash out, and uh, your announcement. You know, maybe you're maybe you have a, an, an angry announcement that goes out into the world. But again, um, conflicts can get out of hand really easily with Mars in this position, too. I think that one of the things that they talk about with traditional um, planetary placements is that when a planet's in its fall or its exile or in a bad house or something like that, that isn't aspecting the ascendant, that planet can act a little bit unpredictably. Um, so Mars has a little unpredictable energy. It's not that Mars can't express anger. 
It's that it's just kind of a little more erratic and it's not like direct. It's, it's where there may be fighting behind the scenes. There may be outbursts that just happen because we've been repressing feelings for so long. And then they just explode in a way that, that we didn't anticipate. And that can be really damaging, especially if it's cutting us off from, from people that we care about and the, the relationships that are important in our life. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to finish this up with an I Ching reading. Thanks for hanging with me today. Um, I'm just pretty, pretty exhausted and going through the emotions, the emotions. <laughs> I've been going through all the gamut of emotions lately and being a Cancerian son, you always want to be able to help. And there are certain times in life where you just, you can't, you can't rescue everyone. And it's a tough feeling. I stayed up pretty late watching a Marvel movie last night too. Full disclosure. We watched Captain America and the Winter Soldier, which I thought was interesting because um, in Marvel canon, Steve Rogers was born on July 4th, 1918 in the sign of cancer. And uh, I think he embodies some of that wistful longing for return to the oceanic waters or to the womb, I guess. Um, he is a man that was displaced out of time. And uh, a lot of his struggle is feeling that displacement and that longing to return to not only uh, a partner that he loved, but also, uh, you know, just his life, you know, and, and trying to find his friend and trying to create a sense of family with his, his Avenger teammates as well as partners and things of that nature. And, and this was something that Liz Green talked about with this. And I thought this was, this was another thing I wanted to quote for all of you. Um, but I don't have to read it all here. She talks about a desire to return to the Ouroboric uh, womb. Okay. And this is a, hmm, cancer is a really generative sign. It is almost like the ocean itself. Although the crab spends part of the time on the land and part in the water in the kind of the in-between phase. And as a cancer sun and mercury, um, I would say that that is true. We, we Cancerian type folks are reflective and we have strong imaginations, but we're trying to ground that, that wisdom sometimes and those dreams into the, the lived experience. We're trying to, to embody idealism on some level. And this was one thing that I really appreciate about Steve Rogers is, you know, regardless of whatever ideals may have been misguided with the 40s and 50s, he had a commitment to them that was admirable and, and almost somewhat uncorruptible. And I thought there was a really interesting social commentary watching um, both the, the original Captain America movies and then the series that just came out, uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And if you haven't seen that, I guess spoiler alert, uh, spoiler alert, Pause it now if you don't want to hear, but um, the Falcon, Sam, uh, is is struggling with 
becoming Captain America uh, after the death of Steve Rogers and um, and struggling as a black man in America and struggling being the face of American idealism with a country that has he's had a very um, mixed relationship with and and that that I think the black experience in general I, I cannot speak for this I, I my partner is black and she talks a lot about her experience so I can only speak once removed from hearing her experience but just trying to have empathy for that um, relationship that people have had with history and with this country in general I just thought it was really fascinating seeing how Marvel treated that and the inspiration of um, Sam taking up the mantle of, of being the face, the new face of America. And um, I applaud them for that. I really do. I think that they, um, there's always a, a, a mythological zeitgeist that we see, I think, in comic book and superhero movies. And it really is a reflection of I think what we're experiencing as a collective, but also like almost like wish fulfillment as well. And where what we, we need something to believe in. And at this moment in history, we need a strong black role model to believe in that is a hero. Do you know I mean? That's, that's, I think that's what um, a lot of the collective is looking for right now. And it, it's really, like I said, it's a really interesting time frame in our history to see uh, that representation becoming more um, apparent and more common. And it's important. It's important for young people who have been oppressed to, to be able to see that representation on the screen. So I just thought that was kind of a, 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 a really fascinating look at, at Captain America, a, a Cancerian archetype, and how that is changing over time and how it changed over time in those comic books a lot of the time comic like like marvel comics were ahead of their time in a lot of ways in certain in certain areas of life and um yeah it's just a something to really be aware of when we're watching media is we are creating new myths and those myths are a reflection of our collective this collective state of our consciousness and the struggles that we deal with and the challenges and the, the hopes that we have for um, what we're going to pursue. Now let's look at this I Ching reading. This is hexagram number 18. And this is mountain over the wind in the wood. It is called corruption, decay, repair, restoration, working on what has been spoiled. There is an image of a bowl in this hexagram or in the ideogram, the picture associated with it, which is a bowl that is breeding maggots. So this 18 talks about decay, not from the natural cycles of nature, but decay from bad habits or unwise choices. Things like inertia, carelessness, muddied thinking, selfishness, lack of discipline. And they do suggest in uh, one of the translations about adopting the opposite attitude, energetic activity, careful preparation, thoughtful deliberation, determination, commitment. 
So there's something in our life that has fallen into disrepair. And like a surgeon, we need to do kind of some psychic surgery on it to root out the the festering, um, you know, point of of disrepair, right? The the maggots. We got to get those maggots out of the out of the bowl and uh, start over again. And I think that you know this was reflected in that Winter Soldier Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where we're trying to root out. 400 years of racism and we're trying to work that out through our stories we're trying to work that out through our collective judicial system right now um, we're trying to work it out through speaking up for fairness and equality and um, it's a it took a long time to get to this point and I think that it may take some work. Uh, to to get past it. And I think that a lot of um, the challenges we face as Americans and in different countries, I I know I've got a lot of international listeners here too. So I just, again, I have an American, uh, I guess an American bias just from living here, just from experiencing all of these things. Um, I try not to be too biased, but again, I can only comment on my lived experience. But again, 18 is talking about what is behind the trouble? What's the hidden cause of the corruption? What is lurking beneath the surface? What has fallen into disrepair from neglect? What old patterns need to be released? You know, and this may be patterns that have to do with your body, patterns that have to do with your family, patterns that have to do with old buried emotions. So how can you release these and, and, unearth them in a way that is healthy so that you can regenerate again. There are three changing lines with this hexagram. The first one is line number six. I'm sorry, line number one at the bottom. It says remedying ills caused by the ancestral father. Oh, this one. Yeah, this is a, this is definitely an interesting, um, I want to read a little bit more of this because, uh, they speak to, hold on a second. So here we see uh, line number one, and it says, Remedying the ills caused by the father, if there is a son, no blame rests upon the departed father. There is danger, but in the end, good fortune. So the, they, one interpretation talks about these ills being caused by the father uh, as a metaphor for old patterns of behavior that have outgrown their usefulness. So sticking to the traditional ways of doing things potentially could be leading to that decay. There may be some rigidity, uh, you know, something where you are lacking flexibility and just doing what was expected of you in certain situations. And, and now this is run its course, which is understandable. Sometimes things just run their course. I mean, doesn't mean that it was always the wrong way to do something, but the, the right thing often becomes the wrong the wrong thing in time, just because that's the way the cycles work. So this is about recognizing a need for reform. The changing line in the fourth place says, dealing leniently with ills caused by the father. Proceeding in this way, one experiences humiliation. Okay, so this one is really about uh, 
getting comfortable with, I guess, situations that have fallen into disrepair and not stepping up to do the hard work necessary. So this author says, when you face serious and long-standing forces of decay, responding with indecision, lassitude, and irresolution will not help matters. Such behavior will only let things degenerate further. Weak responses will only weaken you. You may think that by doing nothing, you are merely being tolerant and forgiving of yourself or others, but tolerance and forgiveness must be accompanied by a genuine desire for reform if they are to mean anything. Do not be indecisive and do not settle for second best. If you do not act soon to remedy the situation, you will meet with humiliation. So this is talking about not falling into complacency. I mean, there may be something that is really, really difficult that where there's these really ingrained habits that need to be ferreted out. Now is not the time to ignore them because it's not just going to go away on its own. There's one more changing line, and this I think is I think something that can really help us to tie a bow on it. He says, he does not serve kings and princes. He seeks higher goals. So this is about um, potentially transcending the entire situation, right? Uh, it says that, um, it says sometimes the best way to deal with the evils of the world is to transcend them. When you do, you will find that your attention is drawn to spiritual questions rather than material advancement or worldly ambition. You no longer need to focus on mundane matters or the demands of public life, but instead may concern yourself with universal goals and higher values. So this doesn't mean that you do nothing. It doesn't mean that you ignore the situation. It means, though, that sometimes to be able to unravel a sticky situation or to leave behind bad habits, external solutions aren't always going to bring about the desired result. Change begins within. It begins in your heart, in your mind, in your body. It begins from working on yourself. And I think that this is really what this is talking about is it requires a change in, in attitude even more so than taking an action out in the world. And again, this is where Mars may be focused inward in this nocturnal feminine sign that is has to do with this moon, this this internal subjective experience. Okay, so you know, set set high goals. You know, really try to get in touch with your integrity. Um, be selfless. I guess one of the things that they really encourage with this line is not falling into cynicism or being condescending, or just not caring completely. I think that it's really easy when we're faced with a really difficult situation to start to feel nihilistic about it and say, I just can't deal with that. I'm just going to ignore it. And I think that this I Ching reading is very much advising against that. Now, I, it's, it's tough sometimes when you have situations where you're not completely in control. Um, when we're dealing with a health issue or we're dealing with interpersonal relationships with people we care about and caretaking and things of that nature, we're not always going to be completely in charge and we're not always going to be able to rush in on our white horses and save the day. 
sometimes we're going to have to require patience, um, faith. Sometimes we're going to have to use our receptive skills, just our compassion support skills rather than our active battling skills. And I think that that's what this line is really referring to here is, is taking some time out and, you know, really trying to rise above the challenges in your life with a, with a spiritual and, you know, more internal change that may be longer lasting than just a temporary material change. You'll be amazed at what happens when you change your perspective on something, how things can really snap into place in your material reality. All right, this is changing to number 34, which is called great power, dominance, great strength, using power wisely, uniting strength with justice. Hillary Barrett asks these questions with number 34. How will you use your power? Where do you stand? Okay. And this is something that brings me back again, I think, to those Marvel shows. You know, at first we saw Sam the 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 falcon didn't deny the call right he was given the shield by an old um steve rogers who had gone back in time to live out his life and was an old man now after the the finger snap of of thanos and um he gives his shield to his good friend and is like you know i want you to have this i want you to take up the mantle and at first he refuses the call, which is a, a, a point in myth that Joseph Campbell talks about in any good hero story. And eventually over time, when someone, someone else who does not have the same integrity and value system takes up that mantle and corrupts what the, the shield stood for, he has to take up his responsibility and take action eventually. And I think this could be our story as well. We have to get in touch with our, we have to come into alignment with the actions that need to take place to overcome a great foe like Typhon or the entrenched old habits. And eventually, if, if we get ourselves centered and we know what it is that we really believe in and why we're doing what we're doing, then we will regain a sense of power and know that the actions that we take will hopefully be in alignment with our own integrity. So something to think about as we move forward, okay? I did pull an animal for this one too, the raccoon. Um, raccoons provide for the, the clan before themselves. So this really is maybe the lesson of nurturing one another. And instead of taking, learning how to give and, and to provide for those that are in need. Um, this could also speak to approaching uh, an issue in a sensitive and strategic manner. A raccoon has a mask, you know, so th this may be where we have to put on a, a sort of a, a mask or a, a, a persona for a period of time and come at our problems in a disguised manner. A lot of the times if we rush in with, you know, our swords drawn and, and ready to just fight in a blaze of glory, we can make things a lot worse. And um, there may be a situation in your life where you have to come at it in a little bit of a disguised back channel way. That doesn't mean that you're, you know, dishonest or anything like that. It just means that 
sometimes you have to play the game and you may have to hide some of your your real feelings for a period of time while you assess a situation while you become receptive to it and come into alignment with it again we're not always in control of everything and as much as we want to be even if we have good intentions we may not always be able to take action right when we want to so be like the raccoon uh maybe come at things in the nighttime right maybe you're like batman you know the dark knight the silent guardian not the hero that that your situation wants but the one that it needs right now all right folks thank you so much for being here with me today sorry for my some of my uh lower energy and and uh rambling a little bit but hopefully you've gleaned something useful from from this today and uh, i just wanted to say i just I care about all of you very much and thank you for the support that you've been giving just from your well wishes and uh, other forms of support. Thank you so much for people that have donated through buy me a coffee and things like that. I really appreciate all of you and um, be kind to one another. Feel your feelings. It's okay to feel sad, especially at this full moon. It's okay to, to let the tears fall if they need to. And um, we'll get through this. This too shall pass. Okay. And uh, hopefully I will see you around 1.30 tomorrow. I will make a announcement for that and, and schedule it on here. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And if you're listening to this after that, you can watch it on my channel. So uh, hit that like button if you want to get this message out to more people. Leave me a comment. Let me know how the full moon and the Mars transit is going for you. And uh, be kind to one another and be kind to yourself. And, and if you can come into alignment with the unity that needs to take place internally, um, you're going to find that uh, all these troubles that are external will just uh, glide off you like water on, on, on a duck's back, right? And um, this too shall pass. So that's what I've got for you today. Take care, everyone. Peace.